You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we are also here with Brian Fermato from LeaderSurf. Now, this next interview is going to make our producer, Diana, super happy as she grew up on Cocoa Beach where everybody surfed, and that was just a way of life. But the phrase corporate training doesn't exactly get everybody excited. Um, but how about these words, beach, tropics, surfing, learning something new? Okay, now you're on to something. And that's exactly what our next guest on the Brand Butters podcast believes, as he has set up a leadership training program that literally takes trainees out to a beach and teaches them a new skill, which is surfing and leadership. Uh, say hello uh, to uh, to our friend, Brian Fermato of the appropriately named leadership training course, LeaderSurf. Hey, welcome, Brian. Hey, guys. Really excited to be here. Absolutely. Thank <laughs> yeah. you for joining us today, buddy. Welcome. Um, first and foremost, where do I sign up, man? And tell us about <laughs> LeaderSurf. Yeah, so anyone that's interested in learning more about the program should go to LeaderSurf.com. Um, and, and so LeaderSurf is leadership development done differently, and that's kind of our tagline. And what we found is that I spent 20-plus years working for big corporations designing and delivering leadership development programs, and so much of that was done in a classroom, a conference center somewhere. And we all know that uh, as adult learners, we have a shorter attention span than even our kids. Yeah, we start thinking about do we pay the mortgage, do we pick up the laundry. And so sitting in a classroom really does very little for um, training adults. And so what I found was that anytime you can get people out of the classroom, out of their comfort zone and learning something new, that uh, you're onto something that had a larger impact. The other piece is when you leave the country and you go travel to somewhere else on vacation, even all of your senses are heightened. And so you remember a lot more of the details. And so leader surf takes leaders from different organizations to Nicaragua in Central America for a week of learning and development. So there is traditional learning that goes on in the program. There's a day of humanitarian aid, and then there's uh, daily surf lessons. And so this idea of a cohort of people from different companies from around the globe coming together to make themselves better and then bring that knowledge back and make their companies better. And awesome. And Brian, you know, I, I've had the um, well the privilege of, of doing some of your leadership uh, in the past. And one thing that I really like about your program is that you're never just going to give the answers to your clients. You're going to challenge them to think and you're going to challenge them to come up with that solution. Tell us a little bit about your background. How did you become a leader? And then where, when did it, the light bulb go off and say, man, I got something here. Like I want to be able to share this with my community, with other companies um, and really teach other people how they can become their own individual leader because every leader is different, um, but you can give them the tools to become the best leader they can for their company or for their community. Yeah, thanks for that, Brian. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that's how we first met was Brian was in one of the leadership development programs that I ran um, locally in Charlotte. And, and a big piece is, once again, trying to get people out of the classroom. Um, you know, I've done a lot of work on teaching leaders and teaching people how to, believe, to be better leaders. And there's all this stuff around trait theory and what's the trait or what's the set of skills that I need to be an effective leader. And what I found is that the one commonality amongst the best leaders I've ever met is that they're really self-aware. They know what their strengths are and they know what their weaknesses are. And they play to their strengths and they find people to compensate for their weaknesses. And so leadership is really a journey of self-discovery. And that was kind of my own self-discovery. Um, I went to 
college in Florida at Exeter College, small liberal arts college in St. Pete, Florida, and it happened to be a satellite campus for the Center for Creative Leadership, uh, which is actually based out of Greensboro, North Carolina. And so as a student, I went through their leadership program and then got to be a student mentor. And so early on in my career, I just had this passion for making people better and teaching leadership. That then translated into you know, a career in human resources and working for a number of different companies designing and delivering leadership programs. Ended up in Charlotte um, with Time Warner Cable when we looked for a place to consolidate all of our operations. And Charlotte won out and I moved here. But within that role even, my job was to design and deliver leadership programs um, for our VP level talent around the country. And so I've just, I've had this bug and this passion around making people better um, and doing it in a way that really, you know, as you said, Brian, it's not about giving them the answer because the person that knows the answer best is the person that has the most expertise. And that isn't going to be me on any specific subject. So my goal is to you know, get people to look in the mirror, discover things they don't necessarily know about themselves and, uh, and have them learn and grow. What? That's that's fascinating. I uh, I, was, I was just curious, like what in in your leadership classes or or this the leader surf rather yeah. is it is isn't Costa Rica, Nicaragua, somewhere down in Central America, correct? That's correct. Yeah, it's in Nicaragua. Yeah. Very good. What does a what does a week look like? Say I arrive on a Friday and leave the following Friday. Yep. What what all yep. happens while I'm there? Sure. So, so the program actually runs Sunday evening until Friday. So it's really the idea is we don't want to steal too much of people's private time on the weekend. Um, you know, and Nicaragua is actually considered the safest country in Central America. Um, a lot of people give it a bad rap, and I think that's part of why I chose it was I wanted a location that um, people you know they have a misconception about, and we talk about stereotypes and the danger of stereotyping people or places. And so Nicaragua is a really safe place, but it's also the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere after Haiti. And so there's a lot of aid work to be done there. And so I'll touch on that as well. So people arrive from around the globe. We don't tell people who else, who the other participants are in advance, because in this day of social media, everyone would find out everything about each other before they get there. And kind of like going to a new school, I want people to introduce themselves the way they want to be known for the week an opportunity to start over with a new group. And so we start off with some orientation um, where everybody does get to say who they are, where they're from, why they're there. Um, and we do some team building stuff to just kind of icebreaker and get people you know, acclimated. And we do that in an outside classroom under a tiki hut, which is kind of cool, and have our group dinner for the first evening. Um, and then Monday, really, the program kicks off with breakfast is a group breakfast on um, a hotel Buena Onda resort has awesome food and it's a boutique hotel. So we take over the better part of it. Everyone shows up for the first meeting in shorts and flip-flops, which is kind of nice. Then I ask a question at breakfast. And the question is, if you weren't here right now, where would you be? And most people are like, Oh, I'd be in that Monday morning meeting. I'd be in carpool lane, all these places that, you know, none of us really enjoy being. And I, you know, and part of it is to hit pause and reflect on the fact that, hey, your company is invested in your development and you get to spend a week in this tropical paradise. So let's make the most of it and let's really appreciate the fact that we're here. After breakfast, we do our first traditional classroom learning module um, and that's done in an outside classroom. And so it's really a discussion around the difference between leadership and management. 
And can you be a good leader and a bad manager or vice versa? And to be a leader, do you need to have followers? And so we talk a lot and we really engage the group in sharing their own experiences. And some of that is who is your best boss, who is your worst boss, um, you know, which of the attributes of your best boss do you have in your own style, and which of the attributes of your worst boss have you potentially adopted. And so once again, it starts off this self-discovery. And so that's about an hour and a half module. At the end of that hour and a half, because um, I don't believe anybody has the attention span for more than an hour and a half of anything for the most part. And so right. we then uh, go back and get uh, lathered up in sunscreen and ready for our first surfing lesson. And so the surf spot is called Beginner's Bay, and it's about five minutes from the hotel. We have an amazing group of um, professionally trained surf instructors that help us out. And the first lesson really is less about surfing and more about knowledge of the surroundings, the equipment, the surfboard, the leash. Um, we put everybody in these really cool um, surf shirts that we, of course, got from Dunstan Group that are logoed up with uh, leader surf on the front and back. And part of that's because there's other people that surf at this same spot, and so we want to look like a team. And our instructors have red shirts, so we know exactly who they are. And so it's very easy to spot who's in the leader surf program in the water, and it also serves as amazing branding for us. And so we, we really spend that first hour and a half kind of studying the landscape of the ocean. Where are the waves breaking? Where aren't they breaking? What do I need to know about safety? And how do I relate all of this to, to learning about business or learning about myself? Um, you know, to be an effective surfer, you've got to both look at the, what's right in front of you, but you also have to be scanning the horizon, something similar to what you do in business. You've got to maintain balance. You've got to see what else is in the environment that could either help or hurt you. And then it's about technique and practice. And probably the biggest learning that people have from surfing is that even the best surfers in the world wipe out every time they go surfing. And so this idea of failure not being an option but a requirement. In business, we're not allowed to fail. You know, and we build systems and approaches that almost take all the risk out so that there is no failure. In surfing, everything's unpredictable. And as a result, we actually teach people how to fall and how to fail and how to fail effectively and how to learn from those failures. And so it becomes a really interesting metaphor and model. After surfing, we have lunch break. People come back to the hotel, get cleaned up, enjoy their lunch. And the afternoon then on Monday and on most of the other days then um, is starts with a two-hour session, one hour per participant of what we call business challenges. Each person comes to the program with a challenge that they're facing at work that they've prepared kind of a one-pager on. And so it's an opportunity to leverage the other participants as almost like a board of advisors or a peer mentoring group. And so the person will sit, we call it on the hot seat under this tiki hut, we're sitting around, and that person spends about 15 minutes saying, so here's my situation at work, right? I've got a boss that's not supportive of me. I feel like I've stalled in my career as an example. Um, these are the things that are going well. These are the things I'm struggling with. And then the rest of the group weighs in on, you know, here's some things. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Have you tried these approaches? And so it allows the participant to get feedback and input from people they just met. They come from different industries and walks of life. But it also allows each of the participants to put on their consulting hat and think about solving other people's problems. And that often gives perspective on their own problems problems. And so that really comes across and the feedback on that, those sessions are that they're incredible. 
And it's cool to see a few weeks after the program, the emails going back and forth between participants and saying, hey, that difficult conversation I was reluctant to have, I had it. And here's how it went. And here's the feedback. And here's what I'm doing. Here's how I'm working on my action steps. So it drives accountability between the participants. About 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we uh, break for free time between 3 and 5. Um, free time for everyone other than me. Each day I take um, a one-on-one -on -one session with a different participant to do uh, some executive coaching. And part of that is really for them to spend time with me talking about what is their leadership um, path and what are, what are the things that they were hoping to accomplish their goals for the week. How, how is this helping them to be a better leader? What are the things they're struggling with? And so what's great is that rather than doing that, sitting you know, in an office, we're doing it sitting under a tiki hut or we would choose to walk down the beach as we're doing that. And so it puts people really at ease and they're so much more open to input and feedback as a result of that. Then we regroup as a team about 530 um, for sunset. And so the hotel is on the Pacific Ocean, has some of the most amazing sunsets I've ever seen anywhere in the world. And so we walk down to the beach to celebrate the day ending by watching the sunset each day. And so instead of looking at our watches or waiting for the bell or the five o'clock whistle or whatever you do to capstone your day, we let the sun be kind of our natural time clock. And so as the sun is setting over the Pacific, I ask each person to share one thing that they learned about themselves or about the world they didn't know when they woke up that morning. And that's kind of the way that we end the day, because I believe that we learn new things every day, but if you don't take the time to capture and share those things and articulate them, you forget them very easily. And so each person shares their learning. We celebrate the sunset together, and then uh, we go have dinner, and most people are in bed by 8, 8.30 because it's, uh, it's exhausting um, as a day. And Tuesday is kind of a rinse and repeat. Tuesday is almost identical to Monday other than the learning module in the morning um, is around self-awareness, and we use a tool that they had filled out as pre-work, a psychometric instrument called the Leading Dimensions Profile. And so we go through the instrument and we go through their profiles in that session, and then the other parts of that day are the same. Excellent. Wednesday's the day that bears mentioning, because Wednesday is our humanitarian aid day. And so a big piece that I believe when it comes to leadership is leaders really need to recognize that leading leadership isn't about helping yourself, but it's about helping others. And so this notion of servant leadership, I mentioned that Nicaragua is second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. They have poor access to clean drinking water. And so what we do is as a group, we travel to a village with a local um, leader and we install water filters in that village that will provide a source of clean drinking water for up to five years per filter. Um, and so we bring school supplies for the kids and we bring the water filters and show the families how they can use them. And each filter produces 100 gallons of clean drinking water a day. Um, and so we install, in the last last session, we installed 16 filters, right? So that's 1,600 gallons of clean drinking water a day. Um, and that will last for five years. And so we're, we're making a sustainable impact on a community there. For the participants, this is, in a way, their, their favorite day because we get to go and enjoy this beautiful country, but now we're doing something that actually helps those that are less fortunate than us. And so it's a really rewarding and a humbling experience that then you come home and you appreciate the smaller things in life. I'll tell you, I don't brush my teeth with the water running anymore after seeing how precious water is as a resource. And Brian, did so, you on, uh, on that note, yeah. did you um, 
Have yeah. you have you thought about like so? It's cool to to follow the story and see the pictures, and you do a great job um, of taking a bunch of pictures and really just kind of um, capturing the entire experience. Do you guys have like a different cities that you go to when you're doing these these water filters and do you have kind of numbers from an impact standpoint on what you guys have done so far and all of the uh the trips that you guys have made through yeah. leader surf yep yeah so no, that's a great question brian so we we work with a local community leader who's actually a veterinarian um in granada one of the cities down there but had um, gone to school in the u.s in miami and so she's fluent in english but she's also somebody that is well-respected in the community down there. And so what she does is she helps identify communities in need. And, and there's just, there's hundreds of these communities. These are people that you know, their families live off of either um, the sugarcane crop that the, that the men are working the fields for or coffee um, or other, you know, very rural manual labor jobs. And so the women and children are home and the homes are these little shanty shacks without running water. And so, they have to go to the streams to get water, but the streams have run off from the, the fields and from the animals, and so that water really is impotable. And so um, you know, Mary Alina, who's our contact down there, she goes and identifies the communities in advance. And so in the past three programs that we've done, um, we've installed 52 filters thus far. And so if you think about that, right, that's 5,200 gallons of water a day that we're doing um, for five years worth of, you know, kind of the lifespan, we've influenced, um, you know, that's over 50 families and, and 100 gallons a day per family is actually a lot of water. So it's really, it goes even further than that. And what's interesting that I didn't realize about what the lack of water actually meant was drinking the water creates all sorts of issues um, in terms of high infant mortality rate and sickness and so forth. So they know better than to drink the unfiltered water. What they do instead is they use what meager means they have to go to the store to buy water. But when they get to the store, what they realize is that a bottle of water costs more than a bottle of soda. And so as a result, they buy the soda. And the soda then creates all sorts of issues with tooth decay, with obesity, with diabetes. And so by solving something as simple as giving them a clean source of water, it eliminates a whole host of other health-related issues. So this is my biggest pride point of the program is, yeah, I love that I'm developing you know, leaders from around the globe that are going back to their companies and their big jobs to make a difference and be more effective. But even better is the fact that you know, I'm helping people in a third world country that are so much less fortunate to actually create a better life for themselves and do it in a way that's sustainable. Uh, it's so cool that you, you incorporate that as well. We talk a lot about community involvement and giving back within our organization and and clearly, if you're dedicating a day of this week uh, of leadership learning skills, then, then, then you understand that absolutely a good and effective leader gives a lot back, correct? Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons that, I mean, partnering with you guys and other organizations, I look to make certain that the companies that I partner with are companies that also have the same kind of moral compass and have this belief that, you know, a portion of what you do shouldn't be self-serving, but for serving others. Absolutely. And you, you, um, you mentioned Nicaragua and, and have you, have you thought about in the future creating a, a platform that's similar, um, but maybe have a location here in the United States where, you know, uh, you could have more participants or maybe even branch off and have other, other, uh, teachers and leaders, um, to kind of help you out on that. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I've given some thought to it, and that was one of the things, you know, from a branding standpoint, when the name LeaderSurf was first created, the idea was to take a play on the word leadership, right? And so if you take the HIP, take the HIP out of leadership and add URF instead, you end up with LeaderSurf instead of leadership. And it, and it articulates exactly what the program is, the surfing component. However, I have gotten, you know, a lot of pushback from companies that are like, oh, it sounds like a boondoggle. We're going to send our leader to Nicaragua to a beach vacation. and All they're going to do is surf for a week. How is that leadership development? And so, you know, it's overcoming that stigma has been difficult. I have looked at doing the program in the U.S. Um, it would ha- absolutely have to be quite different approach. Um, I do other programs under Groove Management, my core consulting business, that do have that humanitarian aid piece. I think, Brian, you may have been involved in one of them, which is we do something called a charity bike build. And it's uh, it's an event where in teams, companies bring together a group of people and they actually build children's bikes. Um, and they do it in a way where they're not sure whether they're competing or collaborating with the other teams. And so it really teaches the lesson of working together in teamwork. But what they don't know until the very end is that those bikes that they're building are actually going to go to a local charity. And then we have the kids from the charity come in and we donate the bikes at the end of the day. And it's a, once again, it's a humbling experience. And so anytime that I can build a leadership development or team building workshop that does have a, a community activism or give back component, uh, I'm all about that and always looking for other ways to incorporate that. That's super cool. I, I'm, I'm curious, back to Nicaragua. In any of your sessions, you know, oftentimes when you're surfing, you'll you'll catch out of the corner of your eye shark or some sort of movement in the water, any kind of fish or dolphin, whatever. Yeah. Um, have you ever experienced in any of your classes with your leaders in the water uh, any of those instances where they may have seen a shark or swam by a shark or anything like that? And if so, how did you incorporate that? into your leadership lesson? Yeah, so uh, so uh, we, we have not. So the place that we go um, is called Beginner's Bay, and there's a giant granite rock called Magnific Rock. And so the bottom contour of the ocean where we go, um, for about 300 yards out and across, is all granite, the bottom. Mm. And it's deep enough that you're not going to fall and hit this smooth granite. But what it does is it makes the waves break far out and roll all the way in. But granite... Um, is immune to a lot of vegetation. So as a result, there's not that much marine life that wants to go and hang out in that area. Got it. So um, that, you know, and, and that's purposeful because it, I, I find that a number of people come down and they do have trepidation. They're concerned about um, the shark. Yeah. You know, are there sharks? And there really aren't that Nicaragua is not known as a place that has a lot of sharks. Um to begin with, but yeah, that's a concern. And then I also have people that'll come down and say, Hey, when I was 15, I tried surfing and I had a bad experience. I got caught in a riptide and I almost drowned. And so part of it is that overcoming your own fears. And the thing that we talk a lot about is this idea of being comfortable, being uncomfortable to learn something new. And especially the older we get, we stay in our comfort zone. And the idea of learning a new physical skill, and that's one of the questions I ask in orientation is, what was the last new physical skill you learned? And people struggle with that question because I find that once you get over 35, you're like, I know what I know, and I don't know what I don't know. So if I haven't done it yet, I'm not that comfortable going and trying it. And so teaching people to surf 
is really, that's the metaphor. It's this idea of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, trying something different, being exposed to something new. Yeah, I, I, honestly, sitting in the water out there, I mean, I look down at my feet sometimes wondering, you know, are they dangling there looking like bait for something? Um, but, you know, we, we haven't had any issues with, with that yet. Uh, the biggest um, issue we've had so far is um, sunburns. So I think we're going to have to get some uh, Leader Surf branded sunscreen for the next one. There you go. That's an easy one. Low cost as well. <laughs> uh, I love what you say about uh, pushing, you know, life really does begin outside your comfort zone. We're, I mean, this podcast for us was a little bit of that pushing outside of the comfort zone. I've never been one in front of the mic or TV interviews and that kind of thing. That's a fear of mine. Uh, and we're overcoming that. But I, uh, two things I'm doing this year are guitar lessons and, and fly fishing. Uh, two things that I've wanted to learn. Cool. Uh, not, not too physical, but yeah, just challenging yourself to think differently and work your hands differently yeah. and hand-eye coordination and... We'll see what happens with that. So love your philosophy there. You guys want to know mine? Yeah, I'm, going to learn, I'm going to learn how to be a dad. That's what I'm going to do. Ooh, that's yeah. way outside my comfort zone. <laughs> that's, going to be, that's going to be me too. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding, wife. I love you. Four weeks. Can't wait. Well, Brian, um, dude, thank you so much for yeah. coming on, man. It's been a pleasure to get to know you over the years, and it's been fun to follow the LeaderSurf journey. Tell us a little bit about how people can learn more, uh, and if they are interested in signing up, yeah. how can they get in contact with you? Sure, absolutely. So the best way to learn more is to go to leadersurf.com. Um, our website yeah, has a video on it. It has a bunch of testimonials. It talks through the, the next program is May 13th, 18th, 2018. And then there's another one in November. We do the program quarterly. Um, and it's really limited to 10 participants per program. Um, yeah, and part of it is that small size keeps the class more intimate and gives people an opportunity to really get to know one another. Um, so it does sell out, um, you know, and really what we found is that majority of participants are company sponsored. So our target audience is to talk to um, CEOs, HR leaders, heads of learning and development and companies um, about this as an alternative to traditional classroom learning. And then they use their talent planning process to identify who this makes the most sense for. We have had some entrepreneurs or self-funded people come through the program. Um, and I love the diversity of that. I mean, just as an example, the program that we just did in February, we had um, somebody who was 28 years old all the way up to somebody who was 57. And so um, people from all over the world, we had a guy who's a creative director for an ad agency in Johannesburg, South Africa that came. Wow. That's all awesome. going global over here at LeaderSurf. I like I love it. it, man. Congratulations on your success yeah. thus far. And we appreciate our relationship and very interesting. And uh, we wish you huge success going forward and look forward to learning more as we go. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks guys. And we will absolutely continue to order um, all of our cool uh, swag and marketing materials from you guys. Awesome. Man. You're the man. Well, thanks so much, Brian. And uh, we look forward to following the journey more. And like I said, if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested in, uh, in leader surf and, and really trying to become uh, who you can be, uh, this is the class for you. So thank you so much, Brian. And we look forward to following. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.